All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a ruckus. Describe the ruckus, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? I'm in my DJ Nubis and DJ Neko with your Mel Time Radio podcast episode 93. Already at 93 episodes. I know it's been like crazy. When did you start this iteration of the Hordes of Chaos? A little over a year ago. I'm trying to think because you it was definitely like, yeah, probably what are we in 2020? Yeah, it's 2020. So probably in March of 19, I think. Somewhere in there. Because we, I know that that's kind of when you stopped your, uh, your radio thing. And I know you're working on getting that back up. You're kind of like... Well, actually, that is now back up. Very good. Now, there's some fine detailing. In fact, we'll go ahead and get through it, even though I posted it. This will be, this episode will be posted later, so the station itself is already running, but, uh... I have to find a way to go back and update some of the old links to, you know, submission sites that I was using and whatnot. But there is a difference on how we're approaching. I think we talked about it last episode, how we're going to approach this. Uh, there won't be special segments. It's all just going to be metal and rock. Um, main of it, Most of it's going to be metal, but there's like rock songs in there throughout that are popped in. Uh, I was trying to set it up a certain way similar to the way that we do our podcast, but the the software that I'm using isn't really work. The playlists aren't working the way they're supposed they're, to. They're not. They're not doing what you want them to do. But but it's not just me. There's everyone. There's a lot of people. I've been looking online. It's a common problem right now with Intelvacast. So uh, you know, as far as that's concerned, right now, that's they're just popping here and there. So we'll just go with that for now. But for the most part, people should be kind of happy. To, you'll get a lot more music if you're not listening to the podcast at that moment. You can just kind of kick back and listen to whatever's out there. Um, but I, I kind of like that, too, because, you know, when I'm away and I am maybe not... My, my job on the ship is kind of like I'm either 
working like crazy, like away from a computer, like actually hands-on physical labor, or if I'm not doing that, I'll be at my computer and we'll, you know, do paperwork and stuff. So like when I'm at my computer, I like to just, and usually I, I have time to do it and pop on and listen to your stuff. And it's just nice. Like, I don't need to, all these kids that I, I work with, they, what's that? Is it Pandora or one of those like ever Spotify? They all have like these curated lists and stuff. And me, I'm just like, I don't have it. I just listen to whatever. And when I put on the podcast, there's like music that just kind of plays, plays, plays. And with uh, this now, I can just pop it on. And I, I don't necessarily, like, I just need something in the background so it's just not so quiet in, in my shop. Right. Um, so, yeah, that we've got that going on with the MTR 24-7 radio. But as far as the podcast and stuff that we're doing... It's basically going to be your showcase for all the new music. Now, the new music that we play certainly gets added to the playlist on the radio, but there's no specific order. When I used to do the radio in the past, I had... Oh, you had, like, Monday through Friday. Like, Mondays, it's uh, two to four is this. Well, every week, it was like, okay, I have 20 new songs to debut, but I had them in a specific running Mm -hmm. pattern. So you had a general rotation, then they'd play, like whatever, how many new songs I had in a row, go back to your general rotation, etc. Now they're just going to be dumped in with everything else. So, as I said in my post on Facebook, if you're looking just to hear the new stuff to see what's out there that we're bringing to you every week, podcast is the way to go because it's all going to be there. Now, this week, obviously, I've got some little bit of older stuff in it because sometimes it depends on how much new stuff I can get to, or if I feel like that just isn't enough to fill up the show, but we've got quite a bit today, so... Oh, yeah, we, we've been excited about this show this week. We've been... Well, a so, lot of great topics. That was kind of the funny thing, because I, you know, I, I kind of have said, you know, there's been an illness in my family that's kind of taken me away from Anubis a lot. I've been very busy handling things going on in my family and dealing with my mom being sick and things like that, so... You know, things are on the upswing now. Things are looking good for every everyone involved. And, you know, my mom will be home soon. So this past week, we he and I have both been really busy just, like, dealing with stuff. And he's like, I want to get this, this radio shit together. So I, I want you to come up with some topics. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I have time. I'm trying to work from home. I'm trying to visit my mom, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, the topics just started coming to me. Like... I was like, oh, here's one, here's one. I just started sending them. You're like, man, these are really, this is a good week. <laughs> yeah, and next week, uh, next week's podcast, we're going to get a little bit to the Mandalorian Season 2. We started, we did, we got caught up on that last night. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I still love that show a lot, but we're not going to talk about it today. Um, yeah, so we've got a lot of cool stuff to get to. Uh, one, passing, of course, which we'll get to after the first uh, break of music. Uh, new stuff today. Hate Breed's going to kick off our block today. Also got Road Wolf, Storm Ruler, Funeral Winds, Azerath, uh, Corona Lantern. Corona. Sombria. That's actually one of the ones from Verse Records that sent us. Uh, of course, Neko's Pick of the Week, which is an interesting one for a number of reasons. Um, <laughs> as it's going to turn out, it's, it's, it's one of the tracks from this band that I actually don't like all that much, but she loves. So it's going to be a cool topic for that. Uh, new Iron Mask, Rockerolas, VHS, Trial by Combat, Sodom, 
new stuff from them. That would make Herman very happy. I'm glad he'll probably like me name-dropping them. Oh, hi, Herman. I was talking to him today. He's like, yeah, you know, this 24-7 radio thing, it sounds pretty cool. I know you had it before. I didn't really pay attention, but I'm still all about the podcast. Oh, I love that, Herman. I, I know he commutes a lot, so I, I think just having something to listen to. And yeah, well, he digs a lot of the, you know, when we bring up new bands or new music as well, so it, it kind of makes him excited, depending on what it is, mm-hmm. but... Uh, New Revolting should make him happy. And then, of course, we got some classics from, um, what we got here? Jungle Rot, Cattle Decapitation, and a couple others in there scattered without. Sprinkled in. Yeah. Sprinkled in. So we're going to get started here with our first block, which features Fire and Flesh from uh, Metal Devastation Radio Centers, that, and Road Wolf, which is kind of cool. But Hate Breed, brand new stuff from them. They've gone from, like, always this, like, hardcore to crossover to metal uh the last few records have been pretty cool especially with the metal vibes they've got in there and this one doesn't disappoint so here's cling to life and we'll see you in a little bit Once we had everything that we see How 
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you Right, we're back. We're back. Four more. And I meant to point out in the last break that I opened up the show with a band called Death of the Dryad, and they do Requiem, which is a Project Pitchfork cover. Now, the cover itself kind of—I mean, wasn't really feeling it. I mean, I obviously I try to pick covers that I think are really cool, but I chose that because no one really covers Project Pitchfork. If you know, we're both fans of the band. Uh, they're an industrial project out of Germany. And uh, so I was happy that a band was actually taking an attempt at it, but like, I don't know, maybe they could have chose a different song. Uh, either way, it was an interesting cover, nevertheless. So. What's kind of cracking me up lately with these covers, and I have to find it for you, I don't know if it was a TV show I was watching or if it was a commercial. But everybody likes to go the uh, singer-songwriter route with like the acoustic guitar and just like some mellow like MTV unplugged sound. And I'm watching, I, I swear it was a, a TV show, I've been watching a lot of This Is Us um, and Dexter, and I think it was, who knows, it could be a commercial. But anyway, I'm sitting there going, I know this song, and I'm listening to it, and it was The Number of the Beast. By Iron Maiden. Oh, that was the uh, doc that we were watching. Oh, it was the documentary? Yeah, because okay. you were like freaking out. Like, oh my god, it's Number of the Beast. And it's just like... I can't remember which doc it was, but yeah, I remember you freaking out. I was out like, wait a minute, I know this it song. It was like a folky And Yeah, it was very non-Iron Maiden, but it was a whole different like 180 of... <laughs> so, I'm like, this is what we're doing now with, with all these remakes. Um... And covers because I think people, so this is going to be me being 40 and being old, but remember when MTV Unplugged came out, everybody's mind was fucking blown. They're like, these people are doing these like small sets and it's not like, it's all acoustic. There's... Was it Nirvana was the first one? I don't think they were the first one, but they were even doing it with like hip hop acts. They oh, were yeah. Ten Thousand Maniacs. Um, Nirvana is the like most famous one. Mariah Pearl Jam, Jam. Mariah Carey did one, and um, everything was stripped down. It was like really, and I feel like now, you know, I guess MTV Unplugged was mid '90s, so like 25 years later, we're seeing. The resurgence of this kind of like well, it's funky... definitely becoming a fad because mm -hmm. I just saw an actual article. We're not going to get too much into it, but Miley Cyrus, who is supposedly doing a cover of rock songs, uh, is taking heat because her album cover 
features an art artist of her, but it's been sort of plagiarized off of Celtic Frost's early oh. record. And uh, I think I think in a lot of ways, I think it was done on purpose for that reason because she is covering rock songs or whatever it is. But she's kind of going with this whole like you know, heavy metal thing. We've seen kind of that with Lady Gaga being into Iron Maiden and stuff like this and Justin Bieber going to black metal shows. Justin Bieber says he likes so, going to, to black and death metal shows because he'll paint his face and nobody will know who it is. Right. And I mean, it's, it's you know, it's it's possible they, that these artists like that type of music. There's really, you know, there's nothing wrong with like them trying to make a living doing it one way. If they like hip hop and the pop stuff, but if they like metal, that's fine too. Um, but you're starting to see now, like, a lot of, I don't want to say fads, but they always say stuff comes back, stuff comes back. And I remember just... Vinyl and cassette. Yeah, vinyl <laughs> and cassette, number one. And number two, like, stupid things. Like, I had this thing called a caboodle when I was little. And, uh, it, not like, you know, teenage. And all it is is a little carrying case for your makeup. And... You know, being in dance and stuff, having a caboodle, all your shits in your caboodle. Everybody's, I had to, I had to have a caboodle. We had to have, I got have. I had a pink caboodle. I know what caboodle I had. My sister had the the teal and dark purple caboodle. All our shit was in the caboodle. We had, well, caboodles are back. And I bought one for my niece who is ten. Scrunchies are back. Like everything that I'm thinking of about growing up. It's starting to. I don't know if it's it's geared at their at people's parents because my sister, you know, she thinks. Oh, I tell her. I said, "Oh, caboodles are back," and I got one for Riley. She's like, "Oh, sweet!" And I'm like, everything is starting to make like a resurgence now. Think about stuff that you had when you were younger. Um, oh, we always used to joke about the ghetto blasters. The they're making ghetto blasters now but they're Bluetooth capable so mm-hmm. that you can have this giant ghetto blaster and really all it, it doesn't, it, it, I mean, some of them have tape decks and everything, but it's really more of a nostalgia thing. It looks like an 80s boombox, but hey, I can like link up my phone or my, my iPod or whatever I'm listening to and play it out of my ghetto blaster now. It's just, I just, I don't know if they're trying to, they being marketing, etc. are like, okay, it's a nostalgia. Yeah, it's like the the parents are are into the nostalgia, so they're gonna buy this crap for the rollerblades are back. My mom bought rollerblades for the kids for Christmas. Rollerblades, roller freaking blades. Anyway, anyway. I digress. All right, all right. So I wanted to get to uh, an actor's passing, uh, Hugh Keysburn. Now, for those that aren't aware of who he is, he's most famously known for two roles. Both with uh, George Miller, uh, first one being Toe Cutter from Mad Max, uh, and then of course uh, Immortal Joe from Mad Max Fury Road. So he played in two Mad Max movies as two different characters, but he rocked them both. And he passed away at 73. Uh, the interesting thing is, uh, besides playing those movies, he did play a part which I can't remember what role it was because it's been so long, but. Uh, the TV adaptation of Moby Dick with uh, Patrick Stewart, which is one of my favorite adaptations. Oh, you love that one. So, uh, as far as... He's been in a lot of stuff, but a lot of stuff that you and I just haven't really watched or were aware of. I know that I was aware of a show called Farscape that was on the Sci-Fi channel, but I never watched it. So, it's Farscape. It was... Um, it was... What's that show? Uh, Firefly. 
it was one of those kind of cult, you know, classic like people. So Farscape, uh, it's it's been a couple of iterations of Farscape, and back in the day, I used to go to a lot of science fiction conventions. That's how I got all the guys. And <laughs> my 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 mom and the her <laughs> my mom and her brothers are really into. You know, I I was raised around Star Wars and Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica, and this is why I had so many boyfriends. And <laughs> Farscape would be the name of one of the biggest sci-fi conventions that was held in Baltimore before Comic-Con even started happening. It was called Farscape. So just a little trivia for you up at the... Uh, the Towson, um, I guess it's the Hilton or whatever that's up there, that really big uh, hotel. Always going to Farscape. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I derailed you again. No, that's all right. Um, so, yeah, George Miller apparently is also planning uh, a Furiosa prequel. Now, I don't know how that's going to play into the Mad Max stuff, but I'm assuming Charlie's there and will be back in to reprise that role. Um, but somehow that. he's going to work in Immortal Joe, who... They probably just, I don't know if it's just by name or footage they already have that they were trying to work on before that. I'm not sure. Uh, ironically, uh, Hugh had not done a film before Mad Max, which is 2015, I believe, since 2011. So he kind of like sporadically done them. Oh, my. At that point. But uh, he was being, you know, he, how old was he when he passed? 73. Yeah. So he was probably, you know, into his retirement and he's like, okay, I need to chill out be picky about what I do, because I hear a lot of these movies, especially one like Mad Max Fury Road, it's it's a high-intensity type mm -hmm. situation. You're, you're filming, a lot of stunts. The stunts, filming for hours, you're, you know, it's, it's high-intensity in a short period of time. You don't really get, it's not like Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, you get the weekends off. It's usually like you're filming for 30, 60 days, non-stop. You got to be ready to just hit the hit the ground running, and you know he he probably was being choosy, and he said, you know what, I, I really I really like this cast, I really like this, I, I definitely am going to do this one. Yeah, there's just a quote from George Miller about when he was playing Toe Cutter, how intense he seemed to be in the character all the time, but that outside of that he was a really nice guy. I think I do remember seeing like a little video clip of him talking. He seemed like a generally humble dude. That's really funny that you, you say that because um, a lot of times when you you see these crazy villains kind of cast, the other actors will say that they're like, he's really you know he's really not like that. Like Anthony Hopkins is uh, you know Hannibal Lecter. They're like, yeah, he's he's really he's really not gonna like bite your face off. He's right. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's really not. But see, the funny thing I read about something else regards to Mad Max Fury Road was that despite the respect they have for one another and how good they did their roles, both Tom Hardy and Charlie Stern were like going at it all the time. You know what, though? I think sometimes I, um, I've read that about a, a couple of, you know, long running TV shows where like you have two people who have amazing chemistry on, on screen, but they're, they don't say, yeah, like we're best friends off screen. Um, Sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. Like, you can work... How many people have you worked with that you're like, yeah, I work really well with this person, but I've never called them or hung out with them outside of, 
work. Everybody. Yeah, so there's just because you work well with somebody, and that's what you have to remember. This is a job. Mad Max Fury Road was a job. Those two may have amazing chemistry on screen. They may have worked really well together. They may have had amazing practices, etc. But maybe outside of that, they just butt heads. Well, the, the thing is, it probably has a lot to do with the approach to how they... Because some people are, what do you call them? God, I forget the name of it, but... You know, there are different approaches to that. Like type A, or like their personalities are a little bit. Some people are more like uh, the standard, uh, like they're more emotional. They like, like, uh, what's his face? Oh, crap. Uh, Heath Ledger Mm -hmm. is the type of person who just, he dove into his characters and he became the characters. I know it was. I was was thinking of like method acting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some people are just freelance. They can ab lib and do all this stuff. So, it depends on your approach and what how you're expected to come across, and sometimes that can butt heads if you're expecting to do a role one way or not. And it wasn't just with them. If you're, if you're them, being but, like a controlled type but thing. But they had, you know, barking at George Miller, the director, as well. So it's just, but they all have respect for one another, but it just, it just shows you that, like, you don't hear this about Hugh Burns at all, because, mm-hmm. like, you know, he, he might look menacing on screen, but... He gets along with everyone just just as well. It's so. kind of like you you hear about people um, arguing, and then it's like, oh, we're just gonna go to dinner and no big deal. And Hugh's like the, uh, I don't want to say the equalizer, but like you know you got Charlize fighting and then Tom Hardy fighting, and Hugh's just like, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just here to be mean on screen, no big deal. <laughs> So a few episodes back, we discussed a little bit about the Tiger King and oh, Joe Exotic, oh. Karen Baskin, and the glory of all that. So Carol, Carol, Karen, Jesus Christ, <laughs> fucking Carol Baskin, fucking that Carol bitch. Baskin, that bitch. Anywho, uh, legislators have passed a bill now that um, it passed two seventy two to one fourteen, so it wasn't close. Uh, basically banning uh, most cat ownership of, like, large cats, so it's... Like, we, a, you and I couldn't just go buy a tiger Right, it's called the to. Big Cat Public Safety Act, and really... It's needed. We've seen how people, like, they can run these tiny zoos without any kind of regulation, just because they have enough money to purchase Now, it's purchase funny them. because I think the conservatives are the ones that are, like, all worried about the small zoos and all this stuff, but I'm like, you have to think about it, man, like... Oh, my God. I'm just watching this game, and it's ridiculous. But, anywho, uh, you know, you look at what goes on with some of these, especially when you watch the Tiger King series and, you know, all the information there. Now, Baskin may be doing okay in terms of how they treat their animals, but Joe was not. Like, there was a point that Joey just got very lazy, started, like, pumping them out because he was trying to he was, crossbreed he was, yeah, he was crossbreeding, he was trying to sell, um, like, the tiger cubs, that's how he made money, but was by doing exotic breeds and tiger cubs and then selling them. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, it no longer became about rescuing these animals as it was exploiting them, mm-hmm. and you just can't have that, like, and that's what this act is really protecting because... You know, you end up having put down animals that aren't like t- or aren't domestic enough. Like they start getting really aggressive, 
or they're not well taken care of, so then they're sick, then they become aggressive. Like we've seen that where animals are ill in some capacity and they attack somebody and they're like, well, we got to put it down because it's like a killer tiger. And I'm like, well, well also, the reason for that is because the person wasn't taken care of them correctly. We were, we were watched that other documentary on the people who were taking animals from Joe Exotic's collection and they were very sick and they weren't thriving and they were putting them in other places where they have like lots of room to run, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I, um, if I know the Tiger King is like white trash, easy to watch stuff on Netflix, and I, but I, I, if anything good came out of it, it's what people, it's not something that you think about. You don't realize that most of lions and tigers and large cats are not out in the wild anymore. They're in private zoos. They're in zoos that are public across the world. The actual, like, population of wild tigers is so low. So now, if we're treating them like pets, and we're seeing how difficult it is to feed, if you have one, how many tons of food it takes to feed them and the proper food and the proper veterinary care, that's what this showed. And it also showed how it's easy to get in over your head. And that's the sad thing is like, I, I don't, I truly don't think that a lot of these people who open up these sanctuaries or whatever realize the cost that it's going to take to well, to take care of a large animal. Part of the problem was, you know, these sanctuaries were meant for animals that no longer could handle, you know, they need just to retire. They or, needed, or they were rescuing them from hoarding situations or poor... Right, and, but and, I'm just saying that, But like, Joe was turning it into a, a, a tiger cub mill. And that's the thing, like... I just I think that if you're gonna have zoos, you have to have them the correct way, like regular zoos. Um, these sanctuaries really aren't meant to be zoos, like, I, and that's my opinion. Like, I know they kind of run them like that a little bit, but to me, these animals are just meant to, like, hey, you know, we're done. We're just gonna live out the rest of our lives, just chilling out in these grassy areas. But you were seeing on the Tiger King, he wasn't providing those large grassy areas. He was putting them basically on concrete. Cages were getting smaller and mm -hmm. smaller. Uh, the crossbreeding was having its toll on dwarfism with some of these animals. And that's the problem. He was literally interbreeding these species so much that they were getting... And But he, he realized he was in over his head. He took in too many animals. And then he wanted to make money, and he also needed money to run the place. So the only way to make money is keep popping out tiger cubs. And he was, you know, he would, his finances would run so low that he was feeding them, like, really garbage food. Like, it wasn't, like, top-of-the-line stuff. And that's the thing. If you're going to take care of these animals, you got to have the finances to back it. You can't mm -hmm. really... Donations are fine, but you can't really survive on that, especially when you're breeding and breeding. It just becomes a nightmare. Well, that's why he started breeding. He wasn't really into breeding at first because he wanted to be the, the Tiger King sanctuary. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But he, he realized when he would have cubs, like when cubs would either be born naturally... That's well, because kids like it. That, it. That's your biggest draw. And he so he said, I just need to keep getting these animals pregnant, keep popping out cubs... And, um, you know, he was, at one point, when the Cubs would get too old, just killing them. Yeah. It was it was just sad. And But I am happy that because Tiger King was so wonderful and white trashy, that it did 
put into perspective, put it in, in the front of mind for everyone that this is going on a lot. You don't think it is, but tigers aren't just like roaming the hills. They're in cages 90% of the time. Yeah, so no matter if there's one group that's upset about it or not, I mean, I'm all for small business, but at the same time, it's all about the animals in the end. And it doesn't matter if it's large cats or domestic smaller animals. Well, like, we've seen this happen with horses because horses are very expensive to maintain. And we watch that, like, Animal Rescue 911, and they come to these horse farms where the horses are so skinny and they're, like... Yeah, it's just it's, it's, it's just, cruelty. It's, it's animal cruelty. It's animal at cruelty. At the end of the fucking day. And that's against the fucking law. I think what's hap what happens, though, again, it's a large animal. You don't realize how expensive and difficult it is to take care of them. So you're like, oh, I'll have a horse farm. And you're like, fuck, I can't, you know... I, I can't afford my $10,000 furrier fee this month, so I just won't get it done. Right. All right. So. Back to the middle. Metal. Uh, so in this block, some black metal coming your way. We've got some Azeroth, Funeral Winds. I love that. Azeroth. Yeah, it's not It's not Azeroth. It's Azeroth. Azeroth. Uh, new Storm Ruler, though, to kick it all off. This is called Dawn of Eternal Fire.
Raul from Bengals, a fresh metal band from Chile. And you are listening to Metal Table Radio. Alright, we're back! Oh, I'm stuffing my face, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the problem with us is we drink, we eat, because we get munchies, and so on and so on. So, Neko came up with this idea to talk about the films of 1999. It wasn't really my idea. <laughs> it was, I got this, when I'm gone, there's not a lot to do on your downtime. Except for maybe read articles on the internet, go to the gym, and maybe hang out with people who are off the same time as you are. So, I read this article the last time I was out called, Why Are All the Best Movies from 1999? And I'm like, I really liked 1999. It was a good year. And I started scrolling through it and reading it. And I'm like, when you start looking at the movies that were out in 1999, they weren't like these huge like Marvel movies or DC movies or all these movies that you need like this huge like story arc. And you have to have multiple movies to kind of make the full picture and they like I, I know with Marvel Studios everything for them is like okay we're going this way and this is the next tent pole and it, they have an entire like process so they're like if this one movie bombs it's not such a big deal but we need to make this movie because it goes from here to here to here and there's a whole well all of these movies in 99 like they seem very independent like they're all standalone movies they're all very um very good ideas. They're all across the board, yeah. And they're all different, too. Like, they're not just um, all superhero movies or all action movies or all, like, campy movies. They're, they're all different so that I feel, you know, 1999 was a good year for me. It was my first year of college. I started working at Corporate Express. I eventually met you, and you were working at Corporate Express. But you start looking at some of the movies. Okay, like... Fight Club. I mean, I know it was a book, but Fight Club is very unique, and it took me multiple times trying to watch it to understand what the hell is going on. It's not, again, it's not one of these, like, super big, big budget, big action, big this, big CGI. And then you start thinking of other movies like The Matrix. The Matrix was mind-blowing. And I remember at the time, um, everybody had these uh, specific Nokia phones. And in the Matrix, they had these Nokia phones too. And these were the type of phones that you could change out the faces. And I searched hard and wide for this particular, like, because you remember how it, like, slid? Mm -hmm. So I, I found the slider face. Because, of course, somebody made it because of the Matrix. And I was really super happy about that. But The Matrix was pretty groundbreaking, not just because it's going to, like, fuck up everybody's mind about, oh, are we living in a simulation or what, but the way that the movie was filmed and the way that the uh, the cameras kind of caught the film. The slow-mo. The slow-mo, the, like, you know, changing of the angles simultaneously. Yeah, you mentioned that, but, like, it was borrowing from football. Well, no, football borrowed from... from that's how... When we are now watching football... Um, and some other, like, 
like soccer, some of the bigger, when they do these, these um, replays, you see, you know, they're, they have cameras all over the place, but there is an overhead camera that is shooting the game so that when they're doing the replays, they get these, you know, 360 views. And we see sometimes when they're replaying on, on the TV, they're like, okay, let's go 360. And it's like, they pause and go 360 because they're catching every angle of what's going on. That was the first time it was really, I don't, maybe not the first time it was ever done because I'm not a hundred percent sure when that happened, but it was the first time it was actually used as a way to further a story. You're, you're learning about, um, Neo and how his, you know, he's now the chosen one and he can like bend time and dodge bullets. And it's all this really cool camera work that we use now all the time. So what were some of the 99, uh... Yeah, when I went and looked, you know, I was like, you know, I can go for probably any year and figure out which movies are really great. I'd probably find a lot of great movies. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I started going through the list, like you were, uh, I was just amazed, one, by how many of the ones from that year I actually own. Like, that that's something to say when you actually own a lot from one particular year. Exactly. Uh, now, so I have, like, three different groups here. Uh, the, the bottom one is basically movies that I thought had moments but decent, which I enjoyed. Uh, Dogma from uh, Kevin Smith. Uh, Entrapment, which had Sean Connery and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Mm -hmm. And Payback with Mel Gibson and Lucy Liu. Mm -hmm. Then on Section 2 were movies that are really good, and actually I would own them if I had all the money in the world. But I really like these movies a lot, and I know you like a few of them well. 8mm, Nicolas Cage, mm -hmm. Summer of Sam, Jogging with Zamo, uh, Arlington Road, very good movie, Galaxy Quest. Love Galaxy Quest. The Matrix, uh, Addition to Japanese mm -hmm. Horror, that one's in there. General's Daughter with uh, John Travolta is a very good one. Sleepy Hollow, Johnny Depp, Stir of Echoes. Love Stir of Echoes. You and I watch that occasionally here and there. American Pie, the very first one, the comedy was just like... It was like a breakthrough for, yeah. like, when people saw that, they are like, oh my god, this Everyone is... Everyone lost their shit about how fucking funny that movie was. Um, Deep Blue Sea, uh, you know, it could be hot or cold there, but it, it's, a, it's a decent movie. It was in entertaining. Cruel Intentions, also another Love. groundbreaking movie. I, I don't know how many times I've watched Cruel Intentions And in Green life. Mile, which is one that I actually didn't watch that year. I caught maybe a couple years later. Uh, so that's in there. So those are all ones that I think would be worthy to own. I just don't own them. Now, the ones that I do own, and surprisingly, again, there's just so many. I mean, I, I think probably this would be the one that I own the most from those year, mm -hmm. that year. Boondock Saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, the remake of House on Honor Hill. Wonderful film. Uh, I actually like it better than the original. One of the few cases that actually happens. Varsity Blues. Uh, legendary football movie. Oh, I watch that still to this day, all the time. Uh, we have another one that year, Any Given Sunday. Oh, one. yeah. Uh, 13th Warrior, one of my favorite films ever. The Mummy, this is with um, Brandon Fraser. Love and, The Mummy. Yep. Yeah. Sixth Sense, this is one of those groundbreaking ones you talk about because of the storytelling and, like, you just did not know what was going to happen until the end. Like, some people figured it out, I didn't. I didn't figure it out, and then <laughs> I, I never wanted to watch the movie, and I remember when I was a kid, I, um, you know, this is 
99, so I was 19. I usually came in the back door because our front door had two doors and if you locked the deadbolt, so my parents would always just like lock the deadbolt and I'd walk around to the back and go up the back way and use my key to get in the house. Well, I'm sitting there, my mom's just chilling watching TV and she just happens to have the sixth sense on and I'm like, oh, what's this? And she's like, oh yeah, it's a good movie, you know, <laughs> Bruce Willis is in it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm watching it. and. I'm getting more and more involved in this movie. And I'm like, motherfucker, it's that movie! <laughs> and she starts laughing at me. I said, I never wanted to watch this movie. I don't want to watch it. And of course I watch it. Uh, another comedy that was kind of like uh, Underdog, I mean, it was The Office Space. Oh, yeah! Yeah, so... That's, our, that's like our... We, we make quotes on that all the time. Mm. <laughs> um... Austin Powers is probably shaping mean, that kind of kicked off a whole series of that movie series, a franchise. Lake Placid, I'll always stand by this movie. It's so underrated as far as like both comedy and horror. Uh, it has a lot of big names in it. Oliver Platt, Bridget Fonda. Betty White. Uh, Bill Pullman. Betty White. Some excellent fucking moments with Billy White, uh, Betty White in that. Uh, and then one rom-com that I caught a few years later I ended up enjoying and actually bought more recently was Notting Hill. That's one of the few that I really dig. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, it is funny that all those movies I listed there are all ones that I actually own. Like, I bet that's probably the brunt of one particular year that I actually I have. think you're right. Like, I I just, I find it completely uh, amazing that all of these movies from 99, it, and it was a lot of movies, I feel like. I feel like there were a lot of movies that came out in, in the Blair Witch Project. You know, that started the whole shaky cam thing. Mm -hmm. I actually went to see that in the movie theater and it was so hyped up that they oversold the movie and we had to sit on the steps to watch the movie. I, I hear that a lot about that movie in terms of like just how it was all done and what people were doing because like they you know as much as it is like from that time period like just people were saying man they just kind of gave it all away <laughs> and mm -hmm. especially when they came out and said you know it actually wasn't real like they were trying to play off the whole idea that it was real footage that's and, right this was the first time if you think about it like the internet was starting to everybody had the internet like maybe not everybody but it was a, a time where it was more commonplace so they were really they were nailing home their their website and they were showing found footage and then if you would like start looking and they were trying to sh to really play off that it was real so yeah th that year was a really great year for movies in general both I, like some of those actually went on to get oscars and stuff mm -hmm. so uh that that was kind of a surprise for me when you first brought it up and i'm like and it, there's actually articles on this uh you can find about that year and it supports everything that you were saying and again back with our nostalgia everybody is starting to look back at you know for me the 90s were pretty badass i, I had no problem with the 90s and then I, it was my first year in college my first year with a real job i i was pretty happy in life i had my little powder blue dodge omni that i zipped around baltimore in i was at a point where I was old enough to kind of shudder a lot of the restrictions that you end up having as a young teenager, you know, out of high school and college. I still lived alone, but it, it it's all that kind of 
that whole year just meant a lot to me. It just, so when you see that it was a groundbreaking year for movies and I still see a lot of people, young and old, who are kind of still watching these movies and even the kids today, they, if you say something about like Fight Club or Tyler Durden, like they get it, they understand, you know, first rule of Fight Club. Don't talk about Fight Don't Club. talk about Fight Club. Like I hadn't, dude, you have no idea how, I think just this year I kind of figured out fucking Fight Club. <laughs> I, and this is 1999 to what, 2020? Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah. Almost 20 years later. Mm -hmm. God, I'm dumb. <laughs> All right, we're kicking off the next block. Some brand new stuff from Corona Lantern, Up the Last Hill. Here we go.
listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Come get it. Get lit. Yeah, and John too. <laughs> Alright, DJ Nibbles back with you. And DJ Nico. She's trying to anyway. I'm sorry, I went in, I was in the laundry room doing the laundry, making the laundry smell Yeah, good. we're not like a professional studio here. We still got like chores to do and shit. This is a pretty professional setting though. Your basement is coming along, man. I wanted to get real fancy down here. And um I was like, oh, don't do anything. Don't hang anything it up. It is fancy. Well, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> I wanted to, like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to paint down here, and it's going to be this, and then we're going to get, we're going to get, like, fancy frames for all your posters and stuff. You know what? After a while, and it, what, maybe a year or two ago, I was like, fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck that. Fuck that. <laughs> Honestly, because, like, we've been living here a long time, and it's pretty reasonable to live here and we don't have kids the only way I would move from here is if I found like the perfect house that I had to do zero to absolutely nothing because all we've been doing are projects on this damn house you know replacing things fixing things etc I'd have to move into a house where there is absolutely nothing to, I'm talking about not even painting I, I want to move in and unpack that's Maybe. all. That's it. I don't want to. Oh well, yeah. You know, you could, you could totally get new. No, I don't want new carpet. I don't want new floors. I want to walk in this house and be like, I have nothing to do, and I'd live there. And then it has to be at the right price, not because I'm cheap or anything, but because every time we look at houses, the housing market is doing one of its housing market things. Kind of like when we bought this house, it was kind of like at the peak of the housing market. But we didn't go crazy and buy a McMansion like everybody in the world did. We bought a reasonable house. If we ever left here, it would be because I found the house. Like, there's a couple of things I want. Another bathroom would be great. Like, a second bathroom. But we've lived without it for so long that it's like, you know, we, we deal with it. I would love a dishwasher. But again, Which is funny because we were in an apartment so had two bathrooms. Yeah, we had two bathrooms and a dishwasher. It was just one floor. It was all in one floor. It was bigger than the house. And we had two bathrooms and a dishwasher. We did not have a laundry room, though. We had to use a public laundry room, which was a big, you know, we hated that. Yeah, if I found the perfect house at the perfect price that I know we could afford, I would immediately go in and put, put a contract on it. But honestly, right now is not the time. Anyone out there, if you want some free financial advice, right now is not the time to buy a house. I know everybody is buying a house. The housing market is hop, hop, hopping. Everybody can get loans. The loan rates, no. Because you know what's going to happen is it's all going to crash again in a couple of months after these uh, COVID restrictions and these COVID, um, there's a lot of help that's been given to people who are renting and, you know, own second houses for COVID. It's all going to come crashing down in about six months. That's when you want to buy because everybody's losing their house and you can get it cheap. There's my, my 411 on the finances. And that's as we get ready to go into our rock block. Neko's pick of the week. Also got stuff from Quabar, Vlad Armed the Pit, and Angel's PR. Going to kick it off, though. Uh, this was actually a very late entry, like literally seconds before we started our show. Caught this uh, on YouTube. Corn uh, doing some Allison Chains here. This is called what? Wood. Yeah. 
It's cool shit. There we go.
you live life in the fast lane? Do you have the need for speed? Well, if you're a racing fan and want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champ and flat card season. You can be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line at Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Gilbert, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Capital City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing, and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
Leather Lover from Trapmaker. I like that. Yeah. Leather Lover. <laughs> DJ Nimbus. And DJ Neko. Back with you as we get ready for Neko's Pick of the Week. Yeah. I thought we were going to do a different Pick of the Week this week, but, you know. Well, she gave me a nice little list, but she had mentioned this track, so uh, <laughs> we figured we're going to go with this, but uh, I'm going to put it out there. This is probably my least favorite song from this band. This one is? Yeah. Especially when you consider the albums that it came from. It was a dual album. And, like, there's just so many great tracks on this record. <gasps> now, I do remember when you were telling me about this because of the soundtrack that came on. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. But, like, I'm this is how This is how this conversation went. Hey, what's that song that was from The Terminator 2? Uh, could you be more specific? You know, the song from Terminator 2. He, uh, could you sing uh, sing it for me? I'm like, I don't know all the <laughs> This is songs. a reoccurring theme with her. I don't know all the words. I'm like, uh, I really like that uh, song uh, you play a lot. I'm like, what song is that? Like uh, I have no idea. What, are you having a seizure, or is something wrong with you? And he a seizure salad. <laughs> so then I started thinking myself. I was like, ah, the band is Guns and Roses. Guns and Roses. Guns and Roses. So I, I said to myself, okay, Guns and Roses, Terminator Two, Google. Ah, you could be mine. And honestly. I have no idea why I like this song so much, probably except for Terminator 2 and the many, many, many times I watched that movie as a kid. I think it came out in, what, 92? Terminator 2? I I probably, like, once a day in 92 I watched Terminator 2. Like, non-stop. I was really in love with Edward Furlong. I thought he was dreamy. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Cringeworthy. And I had, you know, like, I don't know if the kids do this anymore, but there used to be uh, magazines that had, like, just pictures of celebrities and stuff. And Brandon Taylor was a big famous one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'd be, like, Tiger Beat and Teen Pop oh Idols. So you'd get these magazines and you'd take out your favorite ones and hang them up. And, like, of course, I had. It's really crazy because I was a big New Kids on the Block fan. And. <sighs> That all was happening, like, around this time, too. But I'm also, like, loving Guns N' Roses at the same time. I was a confused child. What can I say? Uh, 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 the right stuff. I, like, knew all the dances and stuff. But it for me, like, this next song, which is off of the Terminator 2, Terminator 2 soundtrack... You could be mine. It's also off of the Use Illusions albums. <laughs> so off of those albums, what are like some better? Because you don't really like Guns N' Roses, or you got I, tired. Of I Guns got tired N- of them. Really. Use Your Illusion one and two came out and blew up Guns N' Roses. So well, Appetite for Destruction did that, but like that was the thing. Like, it's not that the band is bad or anything like that. It's just that yeah, it's way overplayed and. uh to your credit, this song is not overplayed when it comes to GNR stuff nowadays, but... Yeah, everybody's like, welcome to the jungle! But you gotta think of stuff like November Rain... I see that uh, to me... Live and Let Die, the cover they do of Paul McCartney. Yeah, I'm Rain. over that one. I'm over 
November Rain. Don't Cry. I'm over Don't Cry. Uh, the Garden, which is one of my favorite tracks off that record. I, yeah, I'm not over The Garden. Yesterday. I don't know. Yesterday's uh, Estranged. I don't know about that one either. Yeah, she probably didn't fall. Oh, what about point. the one, the the whistling one? Is that one off of Use Your Illusion? No, that's off the Spaghetti Incident. Oh. Thanks. Or, or, is that it? Patience? I know mm -hmm. that's the one you're thinking of, but I, I can't remember which one that came off. I think it is Spaghetti Incident. So for this one, for me, I'm like, the next time I go out and sing karaoke in this post-corona world, this is going to be the song that I start with. Usually it's like, you shook me all night long, but nope. Now I'm switching to this song. I don't know why. I love this song. I want to do a dance to this song. I want to get dressed. When I when I hear this, it's it's like yeah, oh, it's pumping me up. You, what what is that? This is mine. <laughs> she never even noticed. I stole her fiber one bar. You do shit like my dad. You better stop that. Better not messing with me. Hey, I'll tell. Mm, 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 All right. Well. Anyway. For your listening enjoyment, this week, my pick of the week is Guns and Roses. You could be mine. Here we go. Audio jump. Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. We will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow, and we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ladies and gentlemen, Audio Jump. Let's welcome DJ Neko's pick of the week.
Super Sunrider from Tula, a brand new treasure power metal band from Switzerland. And you are listening to the Metal Temple Radio. Alright. Metal Temple Radio. <laughs> So, uh, another one of those topics you came up with. My topics? Is that how we're going to segue to this? I, uh, I, I love reading articles, and a lot of times Anubis is like, you're just playing on your phone, but I really am just like reading the news and reading articles. And this kind of like popped up at me the other day. 12 old school habits that are, you know, becoming obsolete. And, you know, I'm kind of in that in between kind of era you are a little bit too where you know our childhood was really analog based and then as we got older our adulthood was digital like we had cds or excuse me we had tapes and records we had tangible things and as we got older we were realizing you know it was the birth of the internet cds mp3s blah 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 so we have been on both sides, you know? So one of the things that they're talking about is reading and writing in cursive. And I've really noticed this because I know they don't teach it anymore. I, I know they don't because my uh, my sister's kids do not take, they, they don't know how to write in cursive. I don't think anybody, everything's typed now. Yeah. They all have their own laptops for school now. And I mean, the only thing that really anybody needs to learn how to write in cursive, I guess, is a signature. And you could like designate anything as your signature. You could designate a squiggle line and say, that's my signature. So it's pretty wild. Like, again, nowadays people are not writing, they're typing. Even like with my mom um, being sick, all the medical records are kept digitally. So as I, um, as you would you would like go through things you don't have the doctor like you know they always used to joke oh you should be a doctor because you have terrible handwriting the doctors are there on their laptops typing everything into the system so it's up there on your digital chart you know nowadays you can just pull it right up off off the internet if you wanted to like you sign into your chart and you're like okay this is my chart i can find this and blah 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 but <laughs> blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. but now you know penmanship was a big deal when everything was written down when you had to write out order forms instead of type it into the computer or do an online order you used to have to you know write it out fax it in if even before faxes you had to mail it in so learning how to read and write in cursive is kind of gone by the wayside a rotary phone is only a prop nowadays a house phone i mean like yeah, I remember the old school house phones, man. That was kind of the shit for me growing up. Along with the oil lamps and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, when I was growing up, the big deal was, like, if you got your own phone line. Mm -hmm. You know, if they installed a separate phone line with your yeah, own. Yeah, my parents never yeah, thought we, about that. We didn't either. What we did was my parents got my sister and I pagers. And then they changed the phone number to the house. They, they registered for a new phone number. And they basically told us that we're not allowed to give the phone number out in return for these pagers. We were only I was only allowed to give it out to my best friend and my boyfriend. And um, so if somebody paged us, we could call them back. 
but we were never to give the phone and this is you know before caller id and cell phones and stuff too so we were allowed to give our friends our pager number and if our friends you know paged us we were allowed to call them back but we were not because two teenage girls what do you do the phone's ringing off the hook until 11 o'clock at night my dad said nope not again not happening <laughs> he changed the phone number we both were desperate for pagers we got our pagers and he said in return this phone number is never to be released to the public and it worked because we didn't you know we didn't get our pagers taken away but he said if your friends want to get a hold of you you give them your pager number you say okay page me and then i'll call you back yeah uh we talked about this a little bit too is when i first met you what driving for corporate express and you were working in purchasing there uh we used to use maps map like books real maps when i first started there <laughs> Uh, now, obviously, with Amazon, we all have, like, GPS and the phones they provide us and whatnot, which, granted, is much easier because, <laughs> I mean, the thing about when we were doing it for Corporate Express was you'd spend, like, a couple weeks learning the map, learning where your stops were, and then eventually it was all in your head. You knew exactly where to go. I always joke with you and say you are, like, a walking GPS because you had to learn these map books. It would be, like, the, what was it, ADC? Uh, map books and it's like if you're going to this part of Washington DC go to grid number 65 a mm -hmm, and then yeah. you go to the grid and it would show you where you're supposed to go even but this is even before like map quest and stuff like you could go on map quest and print out directions you had to learn how to use a map book yeah that was like a must in fact getting hired they're like well can you read a map I'm like yeah <laughs> you know and it you know and that's the thing map books were actually very well put together by the time because you, you, you know you talked 20 years before that you're using like literal fold out maps the, the like accordion fold map. right but by, obviously by the early 2000s we all had map books for the it States. was like an entire encyclopedia of map books at corporate express i remember like again depending on what route you usually had a similar route every time but when you were a cover driver it's like okay you're taking over john's route He's over here in Anne Arundel County. Or DC. Yeah, and it's like you'd grab the map book and yeah. and everything was handwritten, like we were just talking about. All of the manifests, like all of the orders, it was on a clipboard. It wasn't in like the little scanny thing like they have. You would now, go. Now, granted, by the time we had gotten around, by the time I had left that part of the company and went to furniture, the, uh, they'd have started using their little own gps things where the, the guy like uh, pete i think pete was working on how he was gonna route the maps and you know your paperwork would come in the order that you'd be running it so that makes it a little bit easier uh but yeah you know it, it's a lot different now you know and, I, and it's funny because it's, how many times have i been lost and i just pull up the map and i'm like get me home and it if, says turn right here if i handed a, a you know a book map to you know my my niece, you know, she probably wouldn't know what to do with it. You know, she'd be like, no, Dad, uh, Uncle Scott, I'll just use the GPS. Yeah, yeah, here, I have this this app this here. This is in 1920. <laughs> so, uh, and other skills, you know, when it comes to, like, taking care of your car, it's just simple things like changing the oil. Like, yeah, it's a messy thing, and, you know, I wouldn't want to do it um, these days because of my age, but... Back in the day, you know, it was a lot more convenient and cheaper for me to do it than, you know, having a automotive place do it now. Well, because you had to go buy four quarts of oil, then you had to go buy a filter. But even if you don't go that far into it, just, you know, today's day and age, like, you find 
people who don't know how to even put in windshield washer fluid or check the oil, like just the stick itself to see if you even have anything. Um, and I, I guarantee a lot of kids don't know that this day. And that's what was great about trade schools and stuff like that. And, of course, parents back then. I don't know if modern parents teach their kids to do that or not. Some do, I'm sure. Uh, well, nowadays, the cars that they get, they have so many indicators. They'll be like, time to change your oil. Oh, your tire is flat. Like, your tire is low. So it, it kind of, that kind of, like compounds it where now everything is computerized so like before when nothing was computerized you had to check your oil see what the oil level was or see if it was time to change the oil or you know you had to check your tire pressure regularly especially when the seasons change but now the cars are like way too smart for their own good yeah so it's interesting you know um changing our flat tire again i'm i'm 50 so me doing that yeah we have roadside assistance yeah that's a little more convenient i can understand for some people that's a lot easier but even back in the day when i was a you know teen or early 20s that was something you had to learn how to do also just like, in case because like, god forbid you get a zone where you can't get phone service driving driving a stick shift i am a terrible stick shift driver but uh dj anubis taught me how to do it in case I, of emergency i never learned how to do it and I'm 10 years younger than him, so when I met him, he had a he had a manual transmission car. He always had manual transmission cars up until this this recent car that we purchased last two years ago, almost now. And um, he was very he was always very adamant about having you know manual transmission. So when he when I first met him, he explained to me what to do. And he showed me how to do it, and I don't do it regularly, but I think I have it in my brain enough to drive a manual transmission in case of an emergency. Mm. And they don't even teach it in driver's ed. Even back when I took driver's ed in the 90s, they don't teach it to kids now because pretty much every car is, is um, you know, automatic. Well, part of it is it, it takes a lot more work to learn how to drive manual than it does automatic, and I think driving schools nowadays realize that you know let's get people who need to learn how to drive in the door first before we start going on beyond that so like let's teach them the laws how to stop and start et right et yeah you gotta keep it kind of simple because let them learn how to drive automatics first because even some for some people that could be a problem yeah so you know, sticks are like more of a, like a luxury at this point. I think you're right. I think it's more like people get these high performance vehicles, and most just standard like base cars are all automatic. But like, you get into these more luxury cars, these fancy sports cars. Um, also, some like jeeps and off road vehicles are all manual as well. But I have to say, I haven't driven one in a long time, but I think just learning the basic principles of how to use a clutch and how to, you know, shift gears, if I needed to do it, I could probably do it in an emergency. And, like, my mom and dad are in their 60s. They all drove manual vehicles up through the 80s, and they haven't touched one in years, but I'm sure if they're like, oh, it's an emergency situation, they could probably jump right back in and be like, okay, I can drive a manual now if needed. Yeah, so there's a few other things in there, like, you know, have you ever used a, the catalog at the library to find a book, which <sighs> nowadays you just go on a computer yeah, while you're there. 
Well, you can go in the library itself. They have computers, or you know, you just jump on. Like, oh, man, look, okay, that's all right, that's all right, cool. I love those card catalogs too. They're so pretty. They're like, oh, they were so well made and gorgeous, and just kind of like those apothecary um, cabinets that pharmacists and doctors used to have. They were very like distinct looking piece of furniture and they don't make them anymore they don't make card catalogs anymore they it's it's interesting to see as technology advances how other skills kind of like die off because you don't have a you don't have a card catalog anymore therefore you don't make the furniture anymore therefore the furniture maker doesn't make the furniture anymore and it's kind of it's kind of interesting i mean if you go onto um antiques websites or whatever people want card catalogs as a display piece they want them in their house for furniture you can't just be like oh okay i'm gonna go up to the furniture store and buy a card catalog it's like you have to find one you have to refinish it yourself or find someone who has refinished it yeah so that's a few of those things out there when it comes to like habits that a lot of people in the modern age just don't know about the youngins you know, they never had to really deal with all that kind of mess. Doing a lot of research by hand, like looking up in a dictionary, thesaurus, or encyclopedia. Oh, yeah. If you were in college or even high school doing, like, research reports and whatnot, you didn't have a luxury of computers. You had to spend time with books. You had to go to the, go to the library, go to the card catalog, go to the encyclopedia. Now, granted, it gave you a great excuse if you wanted to meet up with your boyfriend or girlfriend to go to the library. Oh, yeah, I'm just doing a research friends. project. Yeah. yeah. And I was, I was actually saying this to my hairdresser yesterday, you know, when we were doing our senior projects, there was a big, big deal about your note cards. I never once, especially when I got into college, and, and when I got into college, that's when, like, the internet and all these digital formats kind of blew up overnight, because I, I graduated in 98 and I started college, you know, 98, 99, and that's when, you know, the dot-com thing was blowing up, and blah 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 so in high school when they were telling you to do these these research papers they wanted you to take these handwritten note cards and there was a specific way that you were supposed to fill out these note cards and put all this information on it and you had to hand in the note cards with your research papers too to get graded I can tell you not once in my life have I ever used handwritten note cards for any type even when I even when I was in college later in life when I was doing like master's work and stuff never once in my life <laughs> you got the internet now my, your most colleges have their entire library online so you could look like I'm searching for the history of cricket type it in history of cricket a thousand different books come up it's all in pdf form you can read it online it's very convenient but again like what anubis said it kind of takes out the whole social aspect of you're going with your research group you want to be like hey my boyfriend's going to meet me up here is that cool guys you know now some cases i'm sure even at college level like you know you, you will have people to get together with their laptops and they're still doing the research and stuff like that but it is a far cry from like having to break open books and literally read through a book to try to find the answers you're looking for as opposed to like you know just doing a google search don't you remember the um the reference section of the library it was that one section that you were allowed to use the books but you weren't allowed to check them out because mm -hmm. it was all the special books that people used for research and Again, nowadays, I need, if I need a reference book or 
you know, NIH has their entire medical library of of studies that are done by doctors and and fellows. It's all online. If you're looking for something very specific, you can look it up. And again, there's so many sides to it where you're like, this is great, especially now where everybody has to work from home and everybody has to like, uh, school is all virtual and these tools are in our hands so that we can still be working hard and learning. But then the other side, I see like, you know, I, I do kind of miss just I don't want to say the innocence of it, but again, I don't know how many times before I could drive, I would be like, mom, can you drop me off at the library? I'm meeting some friends to work on a paper or I'm going to work on my homework at the library. doesn't matter if I was really working on my homework at the library. I was up there and I was allowed to be out at the library later than I was to be over a friend's house. That was the little secret code. I'm going <laughs> to the library. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll go to the library. And there, you know, at the library, you see where it is. You could walk across and get get a soda at the grocery store. It was like store. the sneaky version of saying, I'm going to the mall. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to the library. So, hence, my mom will drop me off for about four hours. I could go get a soda. I could go get a, a, um, a sub or something or a sandwich. You could. There was a comic book store in that strip mall right there. So, you go to the comic book store. It's all right there in the same strip mall, so it doesn't really matter. You're right there in the same area, and then mom's like, okay, I'll pick you up at 9 when the library closes, and you're not breaking any quote-unquote rules. You're at the library, so, and your homework got done, and your mom thinks that you're an A-plus student, and you got to sit and hang out with your friends for four hours after dinner, and that was, like, the bomb. Yep. All right, well, let's get back into our music. What do we got next? New stuff from Iron Mask, Rockerollas, and VHS. Mm. Cool thing about the VHS record, new one. It's all based off like movies in general. So, so that's the, oh 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 oh, that's amazing. Yeah, they got little bits of like every song to start off their songs. It's from movies and whatnot. I know you love stuff like that. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, here's Iron Mask though, doing nothing lasts forever. We'll be back in a little bit.
This is Sky Nielsen Promotions. I offer the most affordable, effective, independent metal promotions one can find. If you've got a metal band, project, or art that you want promoted, simply search for Sky Nielsen Promotions. And you're listening to Hordes of Chaos on Metal Tavern Radio. She's in love with herself. Alright, so VHS close out that last block. Earth Girls are easy. Can you name the three aliens that appeared in that? It was Jeff Goldblum, Jim Carrey, and Damon Wayans. And of course, the lead female role was Gina Davis. Very good. Alright, so as big fans of the strange and weird as we are, Stranger Things. We'll be doing season four soon. And uh, they'll be adding a horror icon to their lineup. Who I know you've been a big fan of since you were young. I've been obsessed with the man, Robert England, because I was always a big Nightmare on Elm Street fan. I, uh, I don't know how it happened either. Like, most children would be really scared of a burnt-up-faced man with a glove that had knives all over it, but I could not get enough of Freddy Krueger. Like, I would watch his movies over and over again. You know, Freddy would kill my Barbies. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm, again, this is, again, why I got all the boyfriends as I got older. I had tons of men just banging down my front door. Do you think that when Fred Krueger was eventually, well, he was never arrested, because we know what happened. We know what happened. But if he had been, do you think he would have used the glove don't fit defense? <laughs> if it don't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> I, I can't get I can't this get on, on, man. This is wrong. I also think, too, um, clearly, the whole pedophilia is bad, molesting children is bad, you know, etc, etc. But I also feel like if anyone has ever watched a lot of these, especially from the 80s, um, and you know what happens to him is he gets, you know, thrown into a boiler and he burns up and he comes and haunts all your nightmares and makes your life a living hell. But that whole, remember that scene, you know, where the parents were kind of like taking it into their own hands and Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of that would would kind of be put into a a movie nowadays I really don't I think there's a lot of things that people are afraid to even though it is pedophilia I'm not saying it's but I feel like they never yeah they never dived into a lot of his transgressions against kids you did have some flashback scenes that like him looking at a little girl, but they never really, like... When are they gonna do a Kruger movie like they did with Joker? I don't know. That would be fucking amazing. Like, Kruger before... Yeah, before all the the supernatural stuff. Like, literally have him be, like, the serial killer that he was. Yeah, have him be, like, the weirdo living alone. Now, it's interesting because... Did you ever see Strangeland? D. Snyder's thing about Captain Howdy? I think so. I mean, it's probably been a long time. It was done in, like, 98. Uh, but it has a similar theme, obviously. You know, Snyder's playing Captain Howdy, who was stalking kids on the internet and luring them in to kill them. And then, like, you know, he, he gets goes to prison. And of course, much like the song, 
Stay away from He's sent to a mental institution where he's after a few months is deemed safe to leave. He's you know, he's <laughs> I remember Snyder playing a role pretty well because he had like this little turtleneck sweater on with the Bible in his hand, his hair pinned back and he's like, I'm much better now but of course the parents of the kids that he had harmed and hurt and killed were still angry. They didn't want him back out on the, the streets, and mm-hmm. so they took him matters in their own hands, of course. Now, unlike Cougar, they didn't end up killing him, but he survived their attack and began his rampage once again, making them much worse for people that he uh, got evicted, you know, heard of from. But, uh... I would yeah, love to see that. that uh, that's something I don't even know if they've even ever considered, but yeah, considering what they did with, you know phoenix and the joker that would be a pretty interesting flick like is as tough as it would be for people to stomach that's something that you i mean would... i you'd have to do it the right way right I, I you don't not... do it just to do it because like you, you have to put some thought into it you know but i really i i'm not surprised that it hasn't happened i would love i mean you want to see kruger and it would just be called like kruger and he is you know misunderstood or you see because like the one thing i really liked about the joker movie is you get a lot of empathy for joaquin phoenix as he's portraying the joker you see like it's really funny how you look at it because you know you we we look at like say Heath Ledger's virgin in the dark knight you know we we don't feel any kind of sympathy for the joker but yeah we think oh wow he's very cool very smart you know, you know he's, he's crazy as fuck, obviously. But then with, like, Phoenix version, we know exactly where that's going to lead. And we know exactly what's happening and happened to him. And that's the thing. You see all the backstory of, like, how you just got broke down and everything else. And that gives you a whole other perspective. Like, I don't think anybody, at least that I know of, that I've talked to, you know, the scene at the end with mm-hmm. the TV show, like how that unfolded like i don't think anyone really felt sorry for de niro's character there <laughs> like just it was we knew it was coming but we're just kind of like yeah well that's justice right there you know that's how we looked at it and you could say it's kind of sad to, to think that way but when you look at the things that you pointed out mm-hmm. uh the kind of shit that he dealt with and like how you know it's one thing that we hear a lot about is how the rich elite get away with murder basically not you know technically but just you know well, the way I mean, they, they assaulted except them for and, Hillary Clinton well, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> going that joke wise yeah no but I when I when I saw Joker and I saw what was going on you know in his in this version of Joker his life you're you see the mental illness, you see the injuries he sustained as a child, you see what is going on with his mother, you you really kind of get a full picture of what kind of goes into his head. Now, that being said, you can easily see how somebody, at the end, how he was kind of, he was dealing with all of his stuff before, but he was kind of like, in a shell and he was upset all i have is negative thoughts exactly so then at the end when they break him out of the cop car and he's being like worshipped that can show you how somebody who was you know dealing with all of this stuff the best way that he can now that gives him a god complex because people are looking at him like yeah 
you're you're our savior so then that's how you can figure out well that's how the joker went insane and how he kind of got like his uh ego his ego and his like what's what's the right word um his reward Hmm. he thrives on people rewarding him so now that he's being you know elevated to this like god status and people are like yes you did a good job he could go and do more bad things and be like his well, own. Well, he figured out how a way to manipulate mm-hmm. people. Like it, he learned the system that the people that were keeping him down were doing. Mm-hmm. He just used it against him. And so, like, as you said, once they started, like, celebrating and there was chaos in the streets, that's exactly what he wanted. But, I mean, for me, I'd love to see a, a Fred Krueger movie where you, like, see what happened to him. Was he raised by, like, really strict religious parents who beat his hands because he couldn't play the piano properly? And then, you know, he never developed social skills. And then, then this is why he did what he did. And then, you know, eventually it culminates to being thrown into the furnace room. And then... The rest is history. Yeah, right? Like... But in the Stranger Things series, uh, he'll be playing a character named Victor Creel, who's a disturbed and intimidating man who's in prison in a psychiatric hospital for a gruesome murder in the 1950s. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, but he should be really good at that. Uh, we also have some uh, Jamie Camel Bauer from the Potter series in there as well, playing a character. And there's some other ones they throw in from Game of Thrones that'll be joining the cast. Um, we do know at the end of season three, I can't remember the sheriff's name, actor name, but we know that he's probably going to appear back in four. Yeah, he just kind of like... We know he was like supposedly dead, but uh, the way this series goes... You never know. (laughs) That's great. (gasps) If you don't know, we're laughing because BYU is playing Coastal Carolina, so basically what this dude's wearing a shirt says... Mormons versus mullets. So BYU, Brigham Young University, is, yeah, is a Mormon, Mormon university. Right. And Coastal Carolina is my people, the white trash. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, England's a great actor. I've seen him in various things. He's a horror icon, obviously. So this will be fun seeing how he adds to a already great series. We love Stranger Things. It gets better and better every season. So I might actually rewatch Stranger Things after I'm done rewatching Dexter. I gotta really kick it up with the Dexter because they're taking it off of fucking Netflix soon because they're probably trying to gear up for the next epi- the next season that's going to be on Showtime. Well, yeah, there's just a lot of things coming and going, so they have to make room for it, I guess. Well, that's what ends up happening. Like, you gotta finish taking my Mad Men off of the DVDs I ordered. I still need to order the next set of DVDs, but what Anubis does for me, since I travel so much, I order the DVDs, and then he rips them and puts them on my external hard drive so I can travel and watch movies and stuff. And, I, I mean, trust me, if I want to watch Mad Men and I am, I, it's not on Netflix, I've got my DVDs. If I want to watch Gilmore Girls and they take it off of Netflix, I've got my DVDs. Same thing with Sex and the City. It's like, I I think we are kind of old relics because people just don't do that anymore. No, um, there's actually a lot of people to do that. Um, and But for you, it makes just a total sense. Like, I, if I was doing your job, I would do that. Like, I have to entertain myself. <laughs> Especially when you have the downtime that you're talking about, like there's, like I'd probably have all my music, like I would, and of course movies, because that's I don't mind sitting and watching movies. Well, think about this: 
for people, even if you are a person who works a 12 hour shift and you, but you live at home and you're not sailing, you can still go to McDonald's. You can still go to the movies. You can still, I have nothing after my 12 hour shift. I have my, my dinner in the mess hall. If I, if I care to eat it and I have my bedroom and then we have a lounge, there's nothing going on. There's not much we can do because it's a boat in the middle of the ocean. I, I love that we all have kind of turned into like movie traders and they're the ones. Yeah, who- that's a cool thing too. Is you got people who are doing the same thing and you like, if you don't have certain movies or if you're not really in the mood to watch the stuff that you have currently, mm-hmm. you can say, Oh yeah, you got one of these new things. And so, well, they've also been, the company has been upgrading the servers on the, on the ship. So, like, it's connected to the TVs in our rooms, and if you can, like, browse through and be like, oh, yeah, this movie, that movie, that TV show. I, the one thing, too, like, when it comes to movies and, and music or whatever, it's just fun when you find people who really are into kind of, like, the same thing that you are. And um, you and I, when we met, we're... we're from two different opposite ends of everything. I'm very different than him. Like, if you would look at, like, our, like, just on paper, it's like, oh, DJ Anubis meant DJ Neko because they both worked at the same place. True. And at the time, DJ Neko was in college, and DJ Neko was working at a dinner theater, and DJ Neko's doing this and that. And DJ Anubis is, you know, he's kind of introverted. He likes it to listen to his music by himself, and... Blah, blah, blah. Well, DJ Anubis picked me up for our first date, and I get in the car, and he's got, uh, what was it? Sepultura on the radio. It was a mini disc. That was before they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's important, like, you think of, uh, Sepultura, you think of other. I don't want to call them classic, but I mean, at this point, this was 2000, what, two? I guess they're classic now because we're old as hell. You start thinking about who in our, like, genre of likes are kind of the iconic pillars. And I was kind of joking with, with Anubis saying, like, I was calling them the godfathers of metal. But then I was like, Okay, maybe they're not the Godfathers. Maybe it's more like you think of the movie The Godfather and it's like independent families where each family like controls a certain part of the music. So we started getting a list together and started like joking. And this is the beautiful part about the two of us. Even Again, a lot of people think that he and I are very different just because of our, my personality versus his. I'm very gregarious and out and blah loud noisy i'm singing karaoke i have a hundred friends let's go do shots and he's just more like i'm gonna sit in the corner and wait for her to get done so i can take her drunk ass home (laughs) but we're both very similar in our thinking so we started putting this list together and i'm like who would be our godfathers of metal yeah you know history always has sabbath being basically the pioneers of the devil's note and you know, metal in general, but as I talk to other people and, you know, you and, you know, look online and whatnot, there's always varying opinions. And, like, even for a band like Rush, um, when you talk about their 2112 record, which, you know, 
people say, oh, well, there's a lot of metal moments on there, even though it's a prog band, a prog rock band, doing that record's actually pretty heavy for its time. I'm like, well, that's true. So where do you place them? Well, what about Zeppelin and Plant's vocals? Like, those are some pretty... That's that's the... the like what metalist type yeah stuff, you think so. about what they they were doing in the 80s like with the the screaming vocals and yeah yeah i mean you take a you know i know that there's an article i haven't read it this is like the precursor to actually saying this is metal we're thinking of like if if uh Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and maybe Rush and uh, I don't know who else, you would say who falls under their families. And well, you got Deep Purple's being mentioned, Iron Butterfly, Cream, mm-hmm. uh, Blue Easter Cult most certainly, um, if not much, not much for because of the lyrical content, they were very quote-unquote satanic or dark. I think for Blue Oyster... Hawkwind, which is one of my mm-hmm. favorites, more prog space stuff, Ken Creamson. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, to a degree, Blue Cheer. The thing that with with Jimi Hendrix is his, uh, I don't know if it was because he was always high, but he just was free and loose. He wanted to be creative on on the guitar, right? Like, he didn't just be like, oh, this is how how I'm going to play and we're going to make a... Uh, something that sounds popular. Now, one band they don't even have in here that I've seen, would, which most certainly is Rainbow. Oh, I know! Uh, Dio, uh, you know, he's got the whole devil horn thing. I feel like Dio so many times just kind of like falls off, even though he has got one of the most amazing, amazing voices, and he was one of the most kind people, and he he just makes me laugh, some of the stuff that he says... He was he was a, a good uh, oh, soul. Motorhead. Oh yeah, They'd... fucking Motorhead. And, and Judas Priest has been around since oh, the seventies yeah. too. Yeah. So like, you look at Judas Priest in the seventies versus Judas Priest in the eighties, nineties, and today, it's a complete different band. It's it's like a seventies rock band. But Judas Priest, Kenny, and again Rush, they evolved their music. And you start thinking, okay, so now we got all these little little families. Who's 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 fallen under the Judas Priest family? Who's falling under the uh, Rush family? Who's falling under the Blue Oyster Cult family? Or does Rush fall under the Blue Oyster Cult family? Or does Led Zeppelin have their own family, and then their family has anyone who has progressive stuff plus like thrashier stuff too? It's like how do you? And I know people have done study after study on this, and you you know what, what was that movie with uh, Ian Christie, and the book. Sound of the yeah, Sound, Sound of the of Beast. Devil. Yeah, we um he did a whole breakdown, and it's hard to like start thinking about, but when you start really putting together the beginnings of of heavy metal, or even the beginnings of how sounds are are starting to be created, and they how they've moved forward you start thinking about these bands you think okay led zeppelin they 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 played with a lot of different sounds yeah it's you know a lot of it at times is just like the riffs or the arrangements and you know we talked about sabbath and the devils now well it's interesting with sabbath because ozzy when he was with them sounded one way but then when dio was introduced it took him to like a whole other level because of the vocal delivery Mm -hmm. Um, you know, look at an album like Dehumanizer. Uh, I can't remember the hit song off that was also on the Wayne's World soundtrack, but it it was such a heavy fucking song. 
and at first I'm like, wait, this is Sabbath? <laughs> and so, like, it was, like, really a contrast. But, you know, again, like, you know, Jimmy Page and, and Zeppelin, you know, Jimmy was bringing in some sort of, like, bluesy rock into the Zeppelin full well. Plant had his high vocal screaming. Rush was doing the prog thing, but then at the same time, you know, introducing, like, just change-ups and almost avant-garde type stuff is with their stuff. You, you see that with Blue Wister Colts. Yeah. Right, exactly. And just so many bands. I mean, even if you were to go back to Cream and all of them, they're Beatles. You know, these guys were all, even though it was all rock, uh, at the time, if you asked anybody, they thought they were the heaviest thing ever they had heard mm -hmm. at that point. The funny thing with the Beatles is... Again, all these bands are heavily influenced by drugs, so don't do drugs, kids. But the Beatles, like, look at them in the early 60s versus the late 60s and what their sound sounded like. It, it, it's different. And they all each had independent, I guess, opinions, but they all wanted to bring in outside influences to kind of evolve their music. And that's kind of interesting because, again, you listen to something like Love, Love Me Do and then go to Sgt. Pepper's and see the difference in the type of music it is. We, When I say, like, the godfathers of, of metal, to us, at least to Anubis and I, we, we start hearing older music. Like, again, with Iron Butterfly, Inagata Debita, like, you hear a song and you're like, yes, this is definitely from the early 60s or the late 60s. And, you know, now it's 2020 and we're still talking about it. That is what you call, like, a godfather of metal. This is something that... And that's not even touching on the punk rock stuff because... A lot of the punk rock stuff is what's actually influenced the heavier stuff like Napalm Death and the rest of them. So it's it's just really kind of interesting. You've got a certain aspect of, of rock and roll that inspired Sabbath and, and Zeppelin and then those bands inspired other bands uh, to take it up a whole other notch. It's like we, a family we, tree. We think about Metallica, one of their biggest influences, Diamond Head. And Diamond Head isn't, like, really a super heavy band. They're, you know, they're a rock band from the late 70s, early 80s. And they inspired Metallica a lot. But Metallica, again, turned it up and sped it up. And they started, like, their whole other thing of drum. And then, you know, fast forward, people say Metallica inspired, inspired me. Right. You know, I, I listened to Ride the Lightning a hundred times. And now that made me want to learn how to play thrash guitar. Or, you know... Extrapolate, extrapolate that and they're saying oh okay well you're telling me Metallica inspired you well you with the way that uh, I'm trying to think of a band um, plays the drums you inspired me to start doing double bass on my mm -hmm. album so I, I just yeah there's always like this break we, we talk about it with you know Metallica and, and kind of inspiring the thrash thing well then comes along Possessed and Death and they start taking a whole other notch with the raspy vocals and the rough vocals, so then we're going a whole other direction. So it's always progression, and then of course black metal came along in the late 80s, early 90s, and they said, well, we're going to take what the death metal scene is doing, we're just going to turn it on its head, and we're going to... Take all the production out of it and bang a bunch of trash can lids <laughs> We're together. going to make it darker, make it more satanic, or we're not going to have the 
the great production value. We're going to keep it really raw and blistering and whatever. And then they did their thing. And, of course, later on, bands like Emperor and Demu started introducing keyboards and made it more symphonic, taking some classical aspects to it. So it's really just kind of interesting over the years how bands have influenced each other going forward and how they're all trying to be unique and make their own marks. Um, as know, much as you may hate it, the Corns, the Faith No More, they all did something that inspired something else. Uh, Faith No More clearly inspired Corn to do it like a step further uh, and so on. Deftones are now doing which is basically post-rock, even though it's been dabbled with with other bands, maybe they took influence from some of those bands, but it's just really kind of interesting how it all plays out. I think we need to do this as an experiment and then report it back to our fans. First off, we need to take a band that's young and new right now. Like, it could be a popular metal or popular rock band that is just kind of cutting their teeth and they're doing okay. And then we need to read what their influences are and then kind of like go backwards to yeah. see where it goes up to. Cause like, Check those bands. Yeah, so it's like, okay, my, my influences are corn. So you go to corn. Corn says my influences are uh, Faith so No we More. So got, we got homework. So we're going to do this. And we're going to do it kind of like a family tree. We're gonna, I really want to try and find a band, honestly, that I don't know a lot about. And that's something maybe playing currently something that is young band maybe with their first or second album that is it, it could be a metal or a rock band but something that is playing currently and that you know a young person today would would discover and let's say this band a come there we read their bio we, we listen to their music a little bit even if we don't like it but we see that they're like oh i am influenced by limp biscuit great we know Limp Biscuit, so we go and we look at Limp Biscuit, and we 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 just we're gonna extrapolate it backwards so that we can see that find out who Limp Biscuit who is. who are we influenced by, and eventually you're gonna go all the way back. We're gonna build this tree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, Band A. You say you're influenced by so and so, but it goes all the way back to the Beatles, or you know, something mm -hmm. like completely different, or Elvis Presley, like. And the Beatles go back to say BB King. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Like you're, you realize how, even though the music that you may love right now is not exactly, I mean, you and I are not the biggest country and western lovers, but we have an appreciation for several. Like I love Dolly Parton. I love her. I I think she's an intelligent beautiful singer. She has been an amazing woman her entire life. Johnny Cash. We we think he's incredible. His his vocals, everything about him where he can take things and turn it into his own. Great. I wish I want to see how like and I hope it's a really cocky band who's like, "Oh, we're the only true band." And then it's like, "Okay, yeah, you were um eventually influenced by like, I don't know, Patsy Cline." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've been inspired by Patsy Cline like six generations back. All anyway, right. sorry, that kind of took a weird no, that's turn. That's okay, but that's a good thing to start working on for the next podcast because that's an interesting way to look at. We'll have to figure out what band we're going to pick on. Um, in this block, uh, some stuff from Angels PR from a band called Casa Grande in there, New Sodom. 
But we got some new trial bug combat called the Final Storm. It's the final countdown. I hope somebody's influenced by Europe. <laughs>
Toxic Ruin and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio.
Nervous. Oh! Hordes of Chaos, episode 93 on the Metal Time Radio podcast. Getting ready to close out another great edition. It was a lot of fun, Neko. Thank you. I really like this last song that we heard from uh, Jungle Rot. Pump full I really did like it. I uh, I felt like, err. Err. Do, do you ever have like, um... I'm gonna pump you up. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, I touched on this... I, several times but do you ever like say to yourself you know this is my uh, sad song and this is my happy song and you know oh you know a song i don't like too much oh i know every time i i threaten to put it on he's like i will throw that record i threatened threat- i literally threatened to break the fucking vinyl love hurts Jesus Christ. <laughs> horrible but I, I feel like a song like that, pump full of lead, if I was a runner or like if I was like really into exercising, I would put that on in my in my little uh, music MP3 player or I, what do people? I use my phone mostly. Is that what everybody does now? Just you know, much. pops in. I would put that on in my phone and be like, I'm running a thousand miles today. It's like, whoo, whoo, whoo. It's, it's a very workouty song. And too bad, though, you actually like going to the gym. I'm more of like a casual gym person. I'll be like, yeah, the gym. I guess I'll walk on the treadmill now. But he will go and he'll like hit all the the machines and stuff. And I'm like, oh, yay, hey. Good hey. job. Yay, two thumbs up. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll go ride the bike now. And he's like, hey, let's go do the overhead press. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> so, I re- again, with fuck, fuck COVID, um... Right now, I think it's just a little too germy to venture into a gym, and I feel bad for you because, like, I know you've really kind of, you want to be working out, but all the stuff that I do is kind of more girly, I guess. I do a lot of yoga and Pilates, and it's nothing really for him to build muscle or... yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, come on, let's do a let's do a DVD, and he's like, yeah, no. 
I try. He tried. He did one with me the other day, and it was like a super simple one. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to walk up and down the steps because this is the worst DVD I've ever seen. Well, no, I've done that with you before, but like I made a mistake of walking up early. So by t it's like a 20 minute video or 30, whatever it was. And like by the time I got to like minute 10, I'm like, my legs feel like gummy. Well, because you started walking up and down the steps. Yeah, I should have waited. You should have waited. You should have just like the did last the five video. Minutes. But anyway, I that when I heard that song, I was like, that sounds like an Anubis like playlist for his, his gym going. And sadly, right now, it's not kind of part of our no new normal as uh, COVID is so disgust well, hopefully disgusting. Hopefully we'll get to a point where it'll be no problem. Hey, listen, I am fully on board with getting the vaccine. Um, I have every vaccine on the face of the earth right now. If you have any, if you've ever been vaccinated against anything, I've had it. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. It's part of my job, especially certain countries won't let you enter the country without having these vaccines. So anyway, we have one more song left for you, and it's another one of my favorite bands. And it's another band that the song is going to be kind of like a pump you up, let's go to the gym song. <laughs> the, closing out today, it will be Cattle Decapitation, Vulturus. And we will see you all next time. Enjoy the rest of your day. Peace out.